Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Backstage With. Conversations with your favourite theatre actors and creatives. I'm Mikey Worrell. It's 150 days since the chandelier fell, when Her Majesty's Theatre went dark and the Phantom laid down his mask. It was assumed the Phantom of the Opera would return, reopening alongside its West End neighbours. But on the 22nd of June came this tweet from Andrew Lloyd Webber's official account. He wrote, Please believe me, I'm doing everything in my power to ensure that when the Phantom returns, it is the brilliant original. Then came the rumours. Would the original production be replaced by a touring version? Would the cast and orchestra be reduced? Was there a rift between composer and producer? Four weeks later, a picture was shared online of the famous chandelier sitting on the pavement outside the theatre. Then, on the 28th of July, Cameron McIntosh wrote an article for the Evening Standard, criticising the government's social distancing policy and writing that theatre couldn't possibly return until people can be in close proximity to one another. In that piece, he also said the coronavirus pandemic had forced him and Lord Lloyd Webber to shut down their productions of Phantom of the Opera permanently, but that they were determined to bring the show back to London in the future. That was swiftly followed by another tweet from Andrew Lloyd Webber, who said, As far as I'm concerned, Phantom will reopen as soon as is possible. It also came to light during lockdown that all members of the cast, crew and orchestra on the tour and in the West End had been released from their contracts. So where are we now? This is a show that opened nearly 34 years ago. Its set and technology are out of date. It had a huge backstage team, with people doing jobs that in more modern pieces of theatre would be controlled by a computer. Her Majesty's Theatre itself is also desperately in need of renovations. But until a few weeks ago, Sir Cameron and Lord Lloyd Webber didn't seem to publicly agree on a way forward. Over the next two weeks, we'll talk about what the future holds for the show and look back at its history, with the most recent actors to play the Phantom and Christine in the West End production. In next week's episode, we'll hear from Josh Pitterman, who played the Phantom for the last six months of the West End run. But first, here's my conversation with the final Christine, Kelly Matheson. We're here mostly to talk about the Phantom of the Opera, a show that has been part of your life for more than two and a half years now, or two and a half years up to the point of March the 14th. Before we get into the deep dive of everything that's happened in the last six months, tell me about your first experience of Phantom of the Opera. My first experience with Phantom of the Opera was actually, like most people, was the DVD. Most people had that first and I got it for one of my birthdays and I kind of fell in love with it then. And then obviously in like my singing lessons, I kind of sung some of the songs and that's kind of how I got introduced to it. I just, I actually just fell in love with it there and then. But I guess it was just, I never really thought I would do it. It was like a dream that I didn't really think, you know, it was one of those things that felt sort of like out of reach as such. You were in training. So I guess this was always sort of your career trajectory. You just didn't know that Phantom would be such a huge part of it. I was in training, but I wasn't actually going to go into musical theatre. I trained as a ballet dancer first, and then I decided that I actually wanted to be an opera singer. So I kind of took the two Christine things, ballet dancer and opera singer. It was a sign. I went to Royal College of Music, and, and I studied because I wanted to be in opera, and 
and I loved it. And but then really deep down, I felt like something was always wrong with opera. I I loved it and I thought it was great. And and even to this day, I can sit and I'll watch and and stuff. And I think it's amazing. But I never actually wanted to sing it anymore. So now I've taken the musical theatre path and now I feel like I'm on that right path. So with Christine, yeah, I wasn't training, but I actually wasn't training to be in West End musicals. Just ended up in it. What is it about musical theatre that you think suits you better than opera? What what does musical theatre as an art form have for you that opera doesn't? I feel with opera, there's a lot of like vocal acrobats um, going on and I find it amazing. Obviously, I feel like musical theatre is a little bit more theatre. Um, I feel like there's more of a story going on. I prefer that it's in English. And obviously, the fact that I have dance training, that really, you know, intrigues me into the into that whole industry. But but honestly, mainly, I, I just find more love in that music. I find more love in the Sondheim and the Bernstein and, and stuff like that. It, just, it made me more happy, to be honest. You had your final audition in front of Lord Lloyd Webber and Sir Cameron Mackintosh. Tell me about that experience. Can you can you remember it or is it just a blur? No, I remember it so clearly. Um, I'm not going to lie. I didn't really massively think I was going to get to that stage anyways. Um, so when I got to the final and I was on stage and one, I'm so blind. Like if I don't have my contacts in, I really, I cannot see anything. So I deliberately didn't put anything in just so that I could go on stage and it was kind of like, I mean, I could see, I wasn't going to fall over, but you know, so I couldn't really see, see their faces. And I remember it just being a really, honestly, I, I hate, well, I don't hate saying this, but it was such an amazing experience because I mean, at the end of the day, I was walking away and I'd sung Christine material on Her Majesty's Theatre and the chandelier was above me and the two of them were in the audience and I found it hilarious more than anything. I just didn't, wasn't that I didn't care, it was just I never thought there was a massive chance. So it was just kind of enjoying the experience. So when that phone call came, I'm guessing the next day, next day, how did that feel? Oh my God, insane. I was out with my friend and I had a missed call. And then I was like, oh my God, it's them, it's them. And I called back and I couldn't get through. So I was like panicking. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to close. And it was on a Friday and I was like, I'm not going to hear from them until Monday. But thankfully I got a hold of them and it was just, I could not believe what was happening. And I phoned my mum straight away and it was a pretty amazing day. I'll never forget it ever. So... I don't know how involved Sir Cameron or, or Andrew Lloyd Webber are in the day-to-day of the production. So did you see them again before you started in the show or, or did you have a chance to, to talk to them and, and, and say thank you or whatever? Really, I wish I could turn around and say yes, but no, I, I didn't. Cameron and Andrew have a very big team and the team you're more involved with they're kind of right hand men and women and they report back so I never I unfortunately never got the chance to work with them I got the chance to work with Hal Prince which was really cool 
but not not the two of them unfortunately I really I really wish I could say I did but I didn't know incredible though that you got the chance to spend some time with, with Hal Prince who's obviously sadly no longer with us what what was that like Oh my God, it was amazing. I was so nervous, but he was over because I think he was doing a Guys and Dolls at the Albert Hall. And um, he came in to the theatre and he watched our final dress rehearsal and I got loads of notes from him, which were like, I was, I really wanted the notes, you know, I wanted the Hal Prince notes. And then actually I was really fortunate that I went over and I went to his office in New York, just like a, a couple of months after and we kind of hung out for a while and had a good chat it was really amazing and he was so we had great debates about everything and and life and he was he was wonderful so I was pretty gutted when unfortunately passed away but I'm grateful that I I had the time I did with him I mean, he worked till the very end, didn't he? But what a generous, a generous soul. Did he give anything away about Christine that you hadn't thought about or that you didn't know before that blew your mind? He talked a lot about the innocence, for sure. And then obviously I learned from him a lot about the triangle, you know. So in in, in Phantom, a lot of the direction is, is actually in a triangle um, form which basically represents the love triangle that is Phantom of the Opera, which that blew my mind when I, when I figured that out. So I was like, of course. So obviously in the final layer, when Christine finally goes to the Phantom and is like, you know, I'm, I'm done with this, you actually see the triangle break, which when you really know what's going on, it's very powerful. Let's talk more about the, the recent goings on. You've, you've been in the show for two and a half years. We've had a lot of time in lockdown to process and reflect on, on things. So how have you reflected on your time in Phantom of the Opera? Yeah, it's been, it's been difficult to reflect, actually, mainly because we've gone through quite a lot during, these, during March because obviously, you know, even on that Saturday night, I mean, my boyfriend was away. He was working in Madrid at the Opera House, but he was actually coming back that night, not doing his shows. You know, he had to leave the country. And and even then, I kind of still didn't think that this could be it for for us, for me, for for the company. So reflecting back took a while because I, initially I thought that I was going back. So that kind of gave me a bit of a light to, to finish my time because, you know, two and a half years has been amazing. And I'm so grateful that I even had the two and a half years where some people like Josh only had five, six months where I had time to kind of process her. But to reflect back my time, it's been, it's been hard. And, and actually, you kind of avoid doing it because it's so heartbreaking and, you know, I hear the music sometimes and I'm like, I can't, I just can't listen to it. It's, it's really hard and difficult and I cannot sing it whatsoever. Yeah, it's, it's hard because they, I always worried about the time that it would come to the, the end because my days were so revolved around her and everything I did for her. And then to suddenly have it just taken away from me all of a sudden, rather than kind of processing, you know, my final shows, my final weeks, it was just over. So it's been really difficult. But of course, I look back and I, I laugh a lot at many things that, that went down. But 
it, it's been, it has been amazing, but I don't feel like I've fully processed it just yet. I want to hear about some of your favourite moments about maybe when things didn't go to plan or just the moments that you look back on from a joyous perspective. But just for, for context for me, did you have a contract end date that you were working towards or were you perhaps going to extend again and stay with the show? Or what, what sort of timeline did you have in your head about your time with the show that obviously hasn't happened? Yeah, I was leaving in September. I just hadn't announced it yet because they hadn't, they hadn't done their auditions, so they didn't have the next Christine lined up. So obviously, you know, I have that in my mind that I was going to leave anyways, but it would have just been nice to have had the, the time to, to finish, you know, finish a massive, massive journey. Obviously, we didn't know anything about the show potentially being closed or, or whatever is going to happen when when things ended on the 14th of March. When did you first hear rumours of a, of a closing? When Broadway went down, that's when I think we started to panic a little. I think they went down a week before us, I think, from what I remember, because I'm friends with a Christine out there and, you know, she just said she had no clue when they were going to go back. And that's kind of the rumours that we started to hear. Of course, we were getting daily updates from the office, just, you know, little things about being careful using your own pens at stage door and, and stuff like that. But but a closure, like no way, nothing. I, I really didn't think, even though the world was like closing, part of me was like, yeah, but no, it's not going to happen to us. We'll be fine. Or if it was, it would be like a couple of weeks. I mean, it's when I look back on that, I feel so stupid and ignorant. But you just never, you know, you would never think that this was going to happen. It came towards the end of June that Andrew Lloyd Webber tweeted saying that he would do everything he could to make sure that when Phantom reopened, it would be the brilliant original. At that point, did you know what was going to happen with, with the show and the fact that they were talking about not bringing it back straight away after lockdown? Or had you heard rumours about the production changing? No rumours whatsoever. I knew nothing. Oh my God, where are we just now? August. I mean. No. All I knew was that I was going back. When, when they opened, I was going back. And that was it. And it was the, the phone call that, that when we all found out was, was a shock to everyone because I even remember when, well, of course, we're all friends with people in Lemus and Hamilton and they were all getting you know phone calls and, and we were hearing what was going on with them and they were being told March, April. So when I was going on to that phone call, I didn't exactly think I was going to be told that I wasn't going to go back, that none of us were going to go back. So it, it came as a massive shock. There wasn't one part of me that, I mean, I, I actually still don't even know what's happening. I don't, none of us know, you know, I am, I really appreciate what is being said by, by, by certain people, but none of us know. And to be honest, I've just had to take a step back and just be like, it's not really my business anymore. What's going to be will be. And if anything, I know that I closed the original production. So, so there were, there were reports that all the cast and crew and orchestra had been released from their contract. Can I just clarify, is that, is that the case? Yes. When did that information come through to you and how did you take it? Um, I don't even know when it came through. Oh, over a month ago. Okay. Over a month ago, I think 
how did I take it badly uh, quite badly it was really upsetting yeah it's upsetting and and you just have to kind of respect what what has happened um you know everyone's being made redundant right left and center and I just I feel sad for the show and I feel sad for the time we are in but I'm sure that when they started Phantom, they had no idea that the show would even go on for 33 years. So, so there was work to do. And, and I, can, I can really appreciate that, that there is work to do in the theatre. And if they need to revamp it, then, you know, that's, that's what they're going to do. You were going to leave the show in September before lockdown. Had this all not been happening with, with them talking about not bringing Phantom back straight away, would you have gone back in March, April if that had been an option? Yeah, of course, because I would have wanted to finish my time and also have to like think about career stuff as well. You know, th- there wouldn't be much going anyways, <laughs> um, but it would have just been nice to have finished what I started. Yeah. So so with that in mind, you, you thought you were going to go back until you heard to the contrary. How did it then feel when you saw the picture of the chandelier sitting on the pavement outside the front of the theatre? Yeah, really sad. Really sad. I mean, when I seen it, I didn't really understand what was going on still. I mean, to be honest, the two days before I cleared out my dressing room, but I didn't actually know they were going to be tearing up the theatre. Again, we're not really, obviously, which I totally understand, we're not, it's not our business, so I, we don't really know what's happening. Some people know more than others or, you know, they're learning from other people but the chandelier I did not expect to see it in the street so that was really sad I mean I don't I just don't know what they're doing I really I genuinely don't. Do you find it frustrating that you know to to play Christine in Phantom of the Opera that is like being at the top of of your game at the top of of an industry you know that so many people have such respect and reverence for do you then find it frustrating that you aren't kept in the loop and, and you aren't being told when you know you, when you thought you had a job to go back to? No, because I have to really think about this. And at the end of the day, it's a business. And I did, I did my time and I respect what they're doing. But it's, you know, no, because I, I understand where you're coming from because a lot of people say to me, you know, but, but you're Christine, but you're their lead, but you're their leading lady. And you know, you've been their leading lady for two and a half years, but I'm like, no, well, my, my time's up and that's just the way it is. And, and it's a business. That's what we all have to remember is that the arts, the theatre, it's a business and, and that is it. There's an emotional weight that comes with that. And I, I have a huge amount of respect that you can deal with that in such a dignified way. How do you deal with the emotion of that without letting it turn into bitterness? I think at the beginning, of course, I really struggled, but it's more about, I've just always kind of been taught to just get on with it because my time as Christine was going to come to an end at some point. And I also feel like I was at this stage where I was ready to hand her over anyways and just kind of be like, please be careful with her. You know, she's so precious, but, but I'm done. And I feel like that has helped my process with it all but also just kind of understanding that we're all in the same boat it's not just me it's not just phantom other people have lost their jobs and some people will not be going back so that's all we can do 
The show had been running for nearly 34 years, so it was the oldest set, the oldest technology, probably the theatre to go the longest without having renovations done in London, possibly in the country. What's your experience of that? Did it feel like you were performing in an antique? Yes, (laughs) massively, massively. You know, the boat was done by a mo control, the person outside of the stage, and and the guys were were doing the ropes and climbing ladders, and and, and everything felt vintage and very old, and the theatre felt very old, but it was so beautiful. And I think that's what made it so special, was that we were such a big team, You know, everyone backstage, we had a lot of people because there was a lot to do because things were done by hand and it wasn't pressing buttons. It was actually really lovely. With that age, though, does come breakdown or or potential problems. What sort of things went wrong during your time because of that? I'm guessing that's the sort of thing that they're going to be trying to avoid when they reopen with a new version. Once the stairs and Masquerade didn't come down, so we had to do that all on stage, which was kind of awkward because, I mean, it's Masquerade and, you know, it, it, the, everyone expects to see the stairs. The boat didn't work sometimes and you had to kind of get off and do a whole, like, stars in your eyes moment, you know. Sort of like oh, wading like through the, the smoke with the arms. Yeah, and you're kind of like, what do I do? Like, do I swim? Like, do, how do I do this? And, oh my God, so many things. I think once the mirror wouldn't open and I had to go through it and I was like, How, what do I do? Like, it was literally like a moment of, I don't know what to do because it's going to start the title song and I have nowhere to go. Like, I'm just tapping on the mirror. Like, let, let me, me in. in. <laughs> yeah. What did you do? Um, it eventually opened. Oh, thank God. Um, yeah. Yeah, trust me, that was my reaction. Yeah, a, a lot of things, actually. And it was just just the way it was. So you just kind of sucked it up, really. Made it fun. I know that because Phantom has been produced so much around the world, that there is an official list of, of contingencies for when things don't go to plan. Yes. But did anything like the mirror not opening, was there anything that ever happened to you where either you couldn't remember the contingency or there wasn't one? Yeah, I think there... It was the boat. I think the boat once didn't come on. It got stuck. And obviously at the end of Music of the Night, the phantom lifts you up. You know, you you faintly lift you up. And I remember because obviously there is no time to be like, what are we going to do? So I'm just like staring. I think it was at Scott Davis. And I was like, he was singing. And I was like, how do I tell him? Like, do I, do I just fall on the floor or is he going to pick me up and then put me on the floor? And they're the kind of moments that are horrible, but also like really when you walk away from it, you're like, oh my God, how did we do that? So you kind of just like fall back and you're like, oh my, are you going to catch me or are you not? But he caught me, which would have been really awkward if he didn't. But then also things actually just after that, when she grabs the mask, I once tripped and the mask flew into the orchestra and the whole point in that scene is she hands back the mask and I was just kind of awkwardly doing something with my hand like here touch my hand and it was so bad because I don't think 
who was it? Ben Lewis. I don't think he realized what I did. So he was like waiting. And they're the kind of things that you don't, you don't get taught how to deal with because there's literally nothing you can do where little things, you know, technical things you, you can try and sort out. Oops. It's really interesting hearing you talk about all these experiences. And I think you've named like four phantoms in the past three minutes. You've worked with so many of them. I'm guessing some for longer than others. For those two characters, you need to have such a strong chemistry. So how do you establish that and, and work at it and maintain it? Yeah, it's, it's, it is difficult. And it's really scary when it happens because I was quite lucky that it was just me, you know. So, so there was, with the Phantom, I always knew I was going to get another one. Ben Lewis and I got on really well, but we auditioned together. So we kind of had that moment, you know. So when we were paired, it was really lovely. And we just really got on. We had the same work ethic, extremely stubborn people. You know, we, we did not go off and... And, and we respected each other for it. And then, you know, I had Tim Howard, I had David Thaxton, I had Josh, and I also had Scott Davis, who was the uh, standby and has always been the standby since I've been there. But it's, you know, it's, it's not a, a case of they turn up and you guys force go out for, for dinner, you know, to try and get to know each other. It's more just kind of seeing how you get on on stage and, and knowing that, you know, what I always said to every single one of my phantoms was that, you know, I know I've been here for a year, two years, two and a half years, but this is going to be our show now, you know, I need to put whoever it was behind and we'll create our show. But, you know, I had my show with Josh and then I had my show with Scott, who you find ways around it. You were a fan of the show before you were in the show. So was there a moment when you got the part that you were like, oh my God, I can't wait to do this bit. And has that changed in terms of the bit that you look forward to or has that stayed the same? I could not wait to do Masquerade. Oh my God, it was my favorite thing. Then it got to a stage where I was like, no. Like I'm so, like, you know, you're on your second show on a Thursday and it's boiling hot and you're so tired. And then the last thing you want to do is put on a pink dress and those boots and go and dance after the interval because you've just like plummeted down. But it actually got to the stage where I just could not wait to do wishing because I loved it more than anything. I always did from the moment I did it. It was my favorite. I never got bored of it. And the final layer, everyone loves the final layer. You, you leave everything on that stage in the final layer. You talked about wishing. My favorite bit in the whole show is that string section where with the solo strings just before wishing starts when she's making the journey and putting the HUD on. Just, it's so eerie, but so cool. It's so good. How did it feel to, to do that moment? Did you just feel like the coolest person ever? The coolest, like beyond cool. It was pretty special, actually. It's, it would start and you, I feel, always feel like I used to go into like a whole other place for that entire section and for wishing. Yeah, it's great. I mean, the whole thing is so cool. You get a cape. I mean, what's not cool about having the cape, so. The cadenza at the end of Think of Me. Yeah. How many different versions of that and how do you decide what you're gonna do on any given day? Yeah, so there's two, two versions. There's the West End version and there's the Broadway version, but the, broad, the Broadway version is actually the, the original version, the one that, 
I did, which was just to a top C, not just, but you know, it was the other one went to a top D, but actually I auditioned with the West End one and they asked me to do the Broadway one because it's what Andrew wanted. And it tells more of a story, actually, the cadenza, because it kind of goes in stages of, can I do it? Can I do it? Yes, I can. Oh my God, I'm guessing there. Then it finishes on the top note rather than just like shooting up to a top note because that way it's kind of like, well, she's got it. Amazing. You mentioned at the start about having, you know, the memories and the laughs to look back on. What are your favorite memories from your time in the show? I was like best friends with my dresser and the Rao dresser. So there was a lot of laughs and memories with them. A lot of backstage stuff. But favorite memories on stage is so difficult because honestly, sometimes the things that go wrong are your kind of favorite memories. But just so much, I don't want to say messing around, but you do mess around so much backstage. And there was so many special moments with people backstage. And I have an entire video that's around eight minutes long because at the beginning of my contract in September, my dresser and I decided to do one of those a second a day videos. Oh yeah. But obviously we didn't get to the end. So she just put together like loads of videos and I watched that back and I laughed so much. I mean, this stuff that we did was just awful and funny. And, you know, it's, it was a very special building. It really was. And, and people that come in from other West End shows to do Phantom say, say that, you know, it's, it's a very good building. I don't have any other experience with another West End building, but, you know, it felt, it did it did feel like a family. It really did. The show has way more history than now any other West End production. Is there a weight to that that you that you feel really proud of, or or that you almost can't comprehend the the fact that you've yeah. been part of this thing that that ran for for more than thirty three years? Yeah, it's it's amazing, and I think what's so great about it is when people ask you what you do, like they will know, like they will so know instead of being like, yeah, I'm in this musical and it's, it's new. And, and if they haven't heard of it, then, you know, so like when you go on a holiday or something and someone finds out like you play Christine, it's, it's really funny, to be honest. There does feel a lot of pressure with it, but it was mainly from myself, from the previous Christine's from just the weight of the show you know you're carrying it you said your first experience was was the dvd so that i'm guessing that was emmy rossum in the film yeah so did you have a favorite christine when you came into it was there anything that you took from any other christine that you'd seen when i was auditioning i did really study sierra's christine because it was the most accessible that i could get hold of but i also loved her interpretation it was very innocent but there was some heat behind her, Christine. But I took bits from, from loads of people. I really loved Gina Becks. I mean, my, my teacher, her, his wife used to be a Christine, you know, and, you know, I listened to her, some of her stuff. There was loads of things I used to take from different people, but then also I kind of wanted it to be mine. And, and I do feel I made her mine by the end of it, for sure. She has such an iconic look. 
when you put that costume and the wig on for the first time, how did it feel? Yeah, pretty amazing. It was very exciting. That wig, I wanted the wig so badly. As soon as the wig's on, you were so Christine. But I loved it. I loved the whole period thing. I think I feel I have the right look for it with it all on because I'm super, like, super pale and it, it felt very kind of Victorian. Yeah, but the costumes themselves were just insane. Some of them were just, which one? The negligee one. That's when the, the white dressing gown, that's when you know you're Christine, when you're wearing that. Obviously, a number of the original creative team are sadly no longer with us. If you had five minutes to sit down with them, what would you say to them? To Hal or to... To Hal, to Gillian, Maria, Andrew, to all of them. That's a good question. Yeah, Maria, you got to think of the heat, man. Like, those dresses are too heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Was there anywhere for a stealthy ice pack? No, there was none. There was none. I mean, Maria, thank you. They were genuinely the best things I've ever worn in my life. And I probably won't even wear anything like that in my life ever again. To Jilly, I mean, I would talk to her a million times about her choreography. She would always say tits up. And I think you immediately (laughs) think about that when you're like on stage, you're like nips up. Hal, really, I would just say thank you for, you know, he created probably one of the best, the best and most iconic shows ever, of course, to Andrew for the music. And I mean, so many things, so many things. But I, I do wish I had more time with Hal. I'm keen that we end this on a, on a really positive note. So what's something that you learned about yourself on this show that you get to take away with you that you maybe have some gratitude for? to keep as grounded as possible and to be as it's really hard I I feel like I massively grew up when I was playing her and I feel like I have that gratitude towards the role because you are quite literally the leading lady of you know the West End overnight and you really have to be on your game and you know, from the moment you walk into that building. So it it did teach me a lot about just kind of keeping my head held high and getting on with it and working extremely hard from the moment you're in the building because there's no stopping. You don't stop. You will never stop playing that when you're doing that role. Thank you so much for for chatting to me. It's been so lovely to, to talk about this show that obviously means so much to so many people. It's been really nice to speak about it, actually. So thank you. If you haven't got it already, I hope that you get some closure because it must be incredibly difficult for it to just end yeah. and to not have that that light that you talked about earlier. Yeah, no, hopefully. It will come eventually, but I'm just happy with the memories. Thank you so much, Kelly. Not at all. Thank you. Well, in a statement, a spokesperson for Cameron Mackintosh said a brand new physical production of Maria Bjornsson's original design will open at Her Majesty's Theatre in the West End at some point in the future. No timeline has been set out for the show's return, but we do know that the theatre itself will also be refurbished before Phantom reopens. Andrew Lloyd Webber's company LW Theatres has just taken a 50-year lease extension on Her Majesty's Theatre and says it will do everything in its power to relaunch the show better than ever once the work is completed. 
Next week on the podcast, we'll hear from the show's last phantom, Josh Pitterman. Subscribe now to make sure you don't miss it. You can also follow Backstage With on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just use the links in the description. As ever, thank you so much for listening. Thank you.